Dane Maxwell goes deep into thought consciousness, and we also talk about his new book coming out, Start From Zero. Coming up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. May is Military Appreciation Month. The Navy Federal Credit Union is proud to serve active duty military, veterans, and their families. During Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union is celebrating with special offers on car loans, credit cards, certificates, and more. All right, today we're talking with Dane Maxwell. Dane, I had you on the show. Uh, it's been a couple years now, just a little over two years ago. Um, you're coming out with a book, uh, Start From Zero. Um, one of the things I was uh, I wanted to point out to the audience is uh, you've created, in, in your teachings, you've created over 15 millionaires in the last several years. And uh, I really like to draw a parallel to military leadership. You know, one of the things about military leadership, which is the military is really the, the best leadership training ground that's out there. And one of the true testaments of a great leader, not only is how good of a leader they, they are, but how many leaders that they have produced. And I, if you draw a parallel to entrepreneurship, obviously true testament to successful entrepreneurship is maybe the dollar figure and how much money you've made, but even more so, true testament to a phenomenal entrepreneur and a leadership leadership in the entrepreneurial community is how many other successful entrepreneurs you've made. And so I'd really like to congratulate you on that because if you've created over 15 million millionaires in what you're doing, that's a phenomenal feat in and of itself. Thank you. Thank you. And I, uh, it's good to be back and I have a special, special heart for, for veterans. And I want to say that, while it's a pretty extraordinary stat, I wish it wasn't. And I, I wish that uh, making extraordinary amounts of money uh, could be could be rather ordinary for people. Um, and I that's that's where I that's where I stand on that. Yeah, you know, um, if you give us a little bit of of history, a little bit of your history here in the last few years. Um, if you want to go back to explaining when you started the foundation, you know, when you're actually bringing people, uh, in person and running them through, uh, your training and philosophy on how to get started in entrepreneurship. And then some of the things you've done since then. And I think it helped, especially frame things to give people if they haven't heard of you and what you've been doing. Yeah. So long story short is I really struggled to feel a sense of belonging to myself or anywhere in the world. And it was quite a while. And finally, by age 21, I, I, I found entrepreneurship. Um, and, you know, so oh, finally 21, so young, but, you know, it's quite a, quite a few many years not getting a chance to really feel like I'd fit in anywhere. Once I found entrepreneurship, I found this real deep sense of belonging. Like a, my soul had found a home, if you will. And, and so I just started going like crazy. And then I started, you know, 16 different ideas and 11 of those guys didn't work out and five of them did. And, um, it was quite a, quite a, it was quite a pleasurable journey and the frustrations were always so intense. Um, and then they're pretty short lived in, in, in the grand scheme of things. So I, I started doing pattern recognition 
on what was working and what wasn't working. And I started really, really focusing on that. And then when I found the proper patterns, that's when I started beginning to teach people. And then it sort of snowballed after that. But the patterns are so unbelievably simple. Um, and then and then and then implementing them can cause an internal riot inside the brain. So a lot of people can't actually do it. Do you know, you say it's relatively simple. OK, do a handstand. You know, it's three words, but OK, you know, 100 push ups, that kind of thing. And, and you don't have to do a handstand, equivalent to a handstand or 100 push ups. But um, I tried a lot of businesses. I have done like probably seven different kind of online business models. Um, the only one I've never really done is e-commerce, and I'm really happy that I'm not doing e-commerce, but I just, I just still do think it's a good business for people. Um, but of all the businesses that I tried, it just turned out to be that software as a service is kind of like one of the great loves of my life for mm -hmm. business. And it, it just produces so much pleasure and happiness because I can work on an idea for under an hour hand that thing off to a developer and then forget about it and then have the developer send me the version and do a few tweaks and then forget about it. And then I've got a software product and I didn't build it myself. And now I put it in the hands of a customer and it's just software as a service was a, was a place where I got, if, if you take a really intelligent, if you take two men and they're the same level of intelligence and you put one man in a certain business model and another man in another business model the the best business model will literally just slaughter slaughter it the business the business model is, is everything uh, it's 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 everything in business is what model is how are customers paying for it how efficiently does the profit move and software as a service is just remarkable um, I've got a product that I built uh, it was, I think it finished around 2007 or something. And I had some people, I had, a, I, had a, like a, I don't know if they were married, but it was so fun because it was a, a designing, uh, the designer was the wife and the programmer was the, 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 the male guy. Mm -hmm. And they built me that software product for like two grand. And it made over half a million dollars total. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, it's only ever had like a hundred customers. Really? Yeah. Are, are you actually able to, <clears throat> do you have any examples that you, you could actually say the name of the software product or absolutely. Uh, just for reference? Absolutely. I can give many examples. Okay. So um, one software product for a student of mine, and then I'll get to mine, is uh, clinicmetrics.com. Clinicmetrics.com is basically uh, a Microsoft Excel sheet for a physical therapy business um, online. Mm -hmm. with a cert, with a few features that will track metrics that are important to a physical therapy practice. Hmm. Um, the way he found an idea is by literally contacting a PT a practice and asking what they use Microsoft Excel for or spreadsheets for. And then there's your software idea. <laughs> I, I mean, it's literally that easy. And then, and then, uh, then you got to build, then you got to build it. So he found a developer and the developer built it for free in exchange for future revenue. Wow. So you're literally getting the idea with a single question and then you know it's a good idea because you want to build a software product that someone's going to use. And in order to do that, you need to build them something for an existing behavior they already have. 
Now, that's not something I want to gloss over lightly, because like if you look at like the Nordic track, they're not really around. Mm -hmm. You know, but treadmills still are. Right, because people have the behavior of walking, but nobody, nobody had the treadmill or nobody had the Nordic track behavior. <laughs> and like, so like Nordic track's a big company and they still miss this. Like, I really don't want to go out like they, you want to find a software idea with the pre-existing, where the pre-existing behavior is there. So you like, you know, what do you use Excel for? Like, you know, um, if you were like to like, you know, I really do like software and I, and you know, Joe, I have had trouble embracing happiness in my life. And I, but I haven't known that. Um, and so I have trouble giving myself permission for just how remarkably like beautiful software is. Yeah. Um, cause like I, so, um, one of my pro, like I'll try, I'll try and wrap this all in and man, I mean, this is just so much fun to talk about. And I want, like, I want you guys to know, like, you don't need to know tech, but you do need to know the same things you know if you were going to build a home. You need a foundation, you need plumbing, you need electrical, and you need to know where to find those people. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what you would want to know in terms of the software realm. Right. But I'm actually building a new software product right now. And I and I got I, I built put the put the idea together in 30 minutes and uh probably more like an hour. I don't know. <laughs> but like not much time. And and I, I drew out the user interface, like how it would look. I recorded a video that was five minutes long. And then I posted it on Upwork for developers. And in 24 hours, I had 56 people wanting to build that product. You know, and so I go through 56 submissions and I'm like, OK, this person's just copy paste into every job. They didn't even read my post. This person, they're an agency. I don't I don't, don't want to work with an agency. Oh, here's an individual developer. I watched your video and love your idea. Oh, great. Let me look at that guy. And so then, you know, there's like five or six of those out of 56 that actually read the description that you can tell. And then you're like, man, there's like two or three of these that are really good. And they all sound really good on paper. Ah, screw it. I'm just going to hire two of them at once. And I'm both going to give them two weeks to work on it. And at the end of the two weeks, the one who I enjoyed working with the most, I'll keep, I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep working with. <laughs> I've done that same thing of like yeah. a pretty simple project. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to hire two of them. I'm going to have both have them make the same thing. Yeah. And at least I get two versions that way. You know, it doesn't cost that much anyway. So why not? Yeah. And what did you learn? What did you learn when you did it? I learned that both of them were very capable. The product that both of them produced was, was great. And I had the ability to use either one. You know, wow. one was not really that much better than the than the other because we're okay. only talking like two. I didn't hire you know ten different people, but um, uh, you know, you know, Fiverr and 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 Upwork, just phenomenal platforms. And there's so much talent out there that's very mm -hmm. inexpensive to use. I mean, that's the point. Mm -hmm. That that's the whole point. There's so much talent out there, and it's at your fingertips, and you don't even have to leave your house. You know, and it doesn't cost much. That's the mm -hmm. main thing you learned, and the quality that you get. Every time I've used, I've used Fiverr and, and Upwork. Upwork was called something before that now, but like for about five, six years, I've been using them and I've never been disappointed with anybody I've ever used. Wow. And the price has always been great. Of course, it, I'm, I'm doing simpler stuff than building a software program, but still, you know, art and design and that kind of thing. Yeah. To well, that's never amazing. been disappointed. Yeah. That's amazing. By the way, um, you know, one of my great regrets 
I don't know. I think it's like a big deal, but it is kind of a big deal to me is like missing out on investing in Amazon hmm. as a stock. And, you know, it's like I'm reading a book called the Bezos letters. Yes. Which I freaking, you like that book? That's too? awesome. Yeah. Yep. What a book. Please pick that book up. The Bezos letters is incredible. And, um, so yeah, and we can talk about my book at some point, but I'm, I'm not in a rush to talk about that. Cause I want to, I want to touch on this briefly here. So, um, with, like um, missing out on investing in Amazon. When I was reading the Bezos letter, I got to read the 1997 letter he sent to all his shareholders. And after reading that letter, I was like, man, I would have invested in Amazon like with a heartbeat if I had known this and read this. Mm -hmm. What the heck did I do? And so, you know, but a lot of folks, like don't, we, we think in ways that cripple us instead of that free us. And so we want to be very, to be very, very cautious of our innermost thoughts and see if they're actually producing freedom or not. And a lot of times you can't even track the thought that's going on. It's just, just hidden so unconsciously. But um, with, um, you know, Amazon, since I missed out on that. So I asked myself, you know, what's the next, like, so I loved Amazon when I was younger. Like I was in college, I was like, this product's amazing. I love the experience of Amazon. Everything about Amazon feels amazing. Mm -hmm. That should have been my reason to invest without even knowing investing. Yeah. That I like, I literally love the experience of this. Like every part of it, I'm going to invest, but no, I didn't. So now today I'm asking myself, what, what are some products that I love the experience of that are new public companies and Upwork is one of them. And Upwork is like seven bucks a share right now. Wow. And I really would recommend you guys look into Upwork because their revenue is growing and the experience on Upwork is very, very good. And you can tell they're all in. But anyway, so Upwork's, oh, yeah. Upwork's like one of those. I mean, Slack is recently public, but my personal feeling on Slack is like, <clears throat> I don't even know if I'd be happy if it made money because I just don't have a very good feeling about Slack. <laughs> um, it just like this, this, and it just seems like uh, I don't know if they're greedy or not. I can't tell. Yeah, you know? I, I know what you mean. But Upwork, Upwork, when I'm talking to them, and that's incredible. But that that that's just a you know, if you guys have a if you guys have five hundred thousand bucks and you don't mind putting it full at risk, I, I think Upwork would be recommend uh, would be a a potential. Um, I have sold out of Upwork as soon as the market started dropping because I knew it would just go on a tear, and I'm really happy I sold my, I sold all my shares except for Zoom, um, and that, I've been really happy. I've been really happy. That's about another that. really pleasant experience, you know, software system that everyone's using these days too. You know, yeah, Zoom's Zoom's incredible. Yeah, and if you think about like Zoom ten years from now, or like Upwork ten years from now, I mean, even Amazon ten years from now is going to grow. I mean, mm -hmm. Amazon's primary revenue comes from selling their own products, the Amazon marketplace for Amazon sellers like you. And then also, um, the, uh, Amazon web services for server hosting and like our biggest software products, paperlesspipeline.com. And that's one of my biggest products. Well, it is right now it is. And it's, um, over $2 million a year in sales that, that software product. And, and you know, that $2 million in sales is, uh, is 1300 customers, 1400 customers paying every month. And Paperless yeah. Pipeline, I'm yeah. a little bit familiar with that. That's actually a real estate uh, software system, right? Yeah, it takes a, it takes your filing cabinets and puts them online. Yeah, so like if you're buying, like, is it 
is it part of part of the process if you're buying a house so you don't have to fax documents back and forth and sign? In fact, is, is, is it part of that or is it mostly like the back office stuff at a real estate office? More of the back office. Okay. But now I didn't come up with that idea either. It was a given to me. The, the broker told me exactly what he wanted and I found a developer to build it. Yeah. I just had to listen. Right. Yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, I, I, um, so software as a service, the one, the one that I was talking about, um, I built with that, that, that couple, um, the, the married couple and, um, the one was a designer, one was a developer. They built the whole thing for like two grand. And I remember when we got the credit card hooked in and you could charge a credit card through that product and the first credit card transaction came through and it was yeah, what did one, it feel like? one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> I mean, it was like, holy, holy crap. Yeah. It's real. That, that it's real. It's, it's real. It's not just this excitement in my mind. It actually, there's, there's more money in my bank account now. And the customer was really, really excited about the product. Like I just created money out of thin air. It's even, it would make an even better story if the transaction came through while you were sleeping and you woke up and saw it. (laughs) (laughs) I do have those, I do have those stories. But yeah, this one was, this one was not, it was a ton of work to get the, uh, back in 2007, building software was way more difficult than it is today. Today, building software is easier than ever. Uh, So, so like, you can go to themeforest.net and for $49, you can get a, a complete template for what a software product would look like. You don't even need to design software. It's, I could make a, I could make a very irresistible case for software. And I probably, I probably should just cause I mean, there's a reason that Russell Brunson started click funnels and Clay Collins started lead pages and software is just inarguably the, the best business model in the world in terms of one of one of it's up there. I mean, because you got, it's got the highest customer lifetime value. It's got the uh, consistent cash flow every month. Um, it's got the highest valuation when you sell it. You sell it on a multiple of revenue. So I mean, you know, you, you get two guys. Each one goes into business, and one guy goes into an info business, and they're selling like info products and courses and stuff. And the other guy is selling software. In ten years, you know. One guy's just in a different business model. He's going to be probably have a hundred million, and the other guy will probably have ten to fifteen million. Well, wow. hey, Dane, uh, hold on to that thought. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Sure. Did you know the Navy Federal has free business accounts? That's right. The same great quality and service that you get with your personal checking and savings, you can get that in a business account, and it's free. And I can verify that. We have all of our business accounts with Navy Federal. We have several businesses, multiple checking and savings accounts, even debit cards, credit cards, all related to business in even this business of the podcast. We have everything with Navy Federal. All of the business accounts are free. So check that out. Also, during Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union is celebrating with special offers on car loans, credit cards, certificates, and more. So check that out. And if you want to show your appreciation during Military Appreciation Month, show it with any kind of social media posts, tweets, posts, captions that you put out there. Use hashtag Mission Military Thanks. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. All right, we're back talking with, with uh, Dane Maxwell. 
in I do want to mention your book. Hey, we need to make sure we start we we talk about your book before this is over with. Start from zero, but we'll get to it. But Dane, I was uh, in the break. We were talking a while early on in the interview. You mentioned something about you have a hard time accepting happiness and drawing another military parallel. I was talking with one of my good Marine Corps buddies. You know, we're in our fifties now. We're up elk hunting at ten thousand feet, and it's single digits every night. And we're you know like even in our personal lives and our business lives, we always go, we're just programmed to go look for friction and find things that are hard and difficult. And we feel like we're accomplishing something. If it's, if it's extremely painful and there's lots of friction, then it must be worth it. And we're like attracted. We're naturally attracted to that friction. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with what you're talking about. Like you have a hard time accepting happiness in your life. Like my buddy was like, God, I just, I'm coming, coming to the realization that maybe just once in a while I just need to sit down and read a book instead of going out and trying to find friction. Is, it, is there any kind of parallel with that? So, yeah, I'd love to answer this. And what I'll do, so in terms of, I use the book that I wrote as an example. So the book that I'm releasing is one of the great works of my life. It's, it's a piece of art that I have emptied my soul into. And... It is a beautiful expression as a love letter to the business world. And I hope that's imbued in every page of it. It's about 302 pages. And in the book, in the book, there are seven different learning adventures that you go on through that book. And the first learning adventure is the three little rocks. You get these three rocks, you put them in your pocket. Then once those are in your pocket, then you go on the next six adventures and you end up all the way at adventure seven, which is the halls of transformation where you get to see 15, not five or even 10, 15 different examples of employees who transformed into entrepreneurs and the business they built, the products they sold, their revenue numbers, how they found the idea, even a 26 factor analysis, 26 different factors of their personality. Each entrepreneur you get to see underneath the hood of their personality and see what really made them up. This is a one-of-a-kind book, and I put in the work. And this book makes me happy. And I think this book will make people very happy. <clears throat> now, as I say that, my body goes into shock. And one of the most important things I've ever learned in my entire life is to not take things personally. And what I mean by that is like any of my own thoughts and any of my own feelings. I mean, and especially what someone else is doing to me, whether I get a sale or not. If I don't get a sale, don't take it personally. If I get a sale, don't take it personally. That person needed help. It wasn't, that doesn't have anything to do with you. So are you saying that, a, a book that might bring extreme happiness to one of the to one of your readers kind of makes you nervous. It triggers. It, it makes me happy. It it is so unconscious that it triggers a deep sense of shock. Is it kind of like the fear of success? Well, what I'm hearing right now in your question is kind of like a desire to try to intellectually understand this. Um, and I think that while that's probably useful, if you, um, 
if you sort of join me in the realm of happiness comes, trigger happens, deep shock in the body, and instead of jumping to figuring it out, we just stay with the deep sense of shock. Mm -hmm. It could just be as simple as happiness scares me. Yeah. And, you know, I, uh, I'm a recent father and yeah, congratulations. Thank you. And that's a happiness for sure. Like, like a genetic, like a genetic joy. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, when we had our, we had our, um, our child together and I, I looked at my partner and I just looked just straight in the eye and I don't know where it came from, but I said, you know, I just really don't think that you love me. And I just started weeping. And if there's anyone that's ever demonstrated her love to me, it's her. But for my, like, and when I said it, I said, I really, really don't think that you love me. Like my brain, full, full aspects of my brain lit up and like, like shook loose and like tears happened. And like, I built my worldview on nobody loves me. Or people don't love me. But I never really got the chance to to sit with that or even say it. I've never even said this before. This is the first time I'm like saying this out loud. But like I, I, I want to share it because, well, maybe it'll connect with people. But also this would be an example of me not taking that personally. Like my, my brain is like, I just don't, don't think that you love me. And if it's not personal and it doesn't mean anything about me, it's just a, and there are parts of me that like, like, oh, this does mean something about you. But if I can stand in a very neutral place and not take it personally, then I'm able to like share, share way more vulnerably. Um, but if, if I'm, if I'm sitting in front of my partner who is beautiful and loving and I can say, and I can look at her and say that. <laughs> What might my relationship to happiness be like? Right. So if I can look at these things with honesty and a fearlessness, and I know in the military, well, I think in the military, that my opinion is that fear is used to conquer fear. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I'm scared, so I'm going to rage and get stronger but that's just a, I think it's a fear response to fear. Probably, sure. probably works. Mm -hmm. The thing is, what I'm trying to develop is actually a fearlessness towards fear. So if fear is in my system, can I actually allow fear without doing anything about it? And just let the fear be there if it's there. And that's not very comfortable. Fear is not exactly comfortable. So to like let fear be here and actually be with it and actually let it live in me if it's there without trying to change it 
and then I don't make it personal, I can, I feel great fear in, in my, in my belly right now, you know? And, yeah. and, um, and I'm still, still on, still continuing to unravel this. But in terms of like, if you're not a, if you can, if you can literally stand in a place where you take nothing personally, no thought you have and no feeling you have, when you can do that, if you can do that, you'll wake up from this place that's driven, like your 50 year old friend is like, God, why am I just, if I just driven to seek out pain, what he's, what he's really suffering from there is what I think is an identity within him that thrives on pain. Exactly. And yeah. And what he's asking for is to shift to a greater sense of self that lives from a place of pleasure, but he's built his identity. So this is the great, this is the great work of our life is to recognize and wake up from our identity and to live, live beyond our identity. And I can't think of people that might have a stronger sense of identity in the world than a veteran. Yeah, exactly. This is something that all veterans struggle with. And, and that's why I mentioned it. I'm like, depending on how long, even if you just spent four years in the military and got out for the rest of your life, you could have that identity built around seeking out friction and pain because it was drilled into you and you might naturally be prone to being that way anyways. Um, and that might be why you went in the military, but it's there. And then, but to, to somehow recognize that and separate yourself from it and go to a place of, it's okay to not have friction and pain in life and you can still be successful. And matter of fact, you can be happy without having that friction and pain, but it's hard to deprogram yourself when you, especially when you get out. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. And what the path, the path forward, I mean, is the path inward. And if you sit still and do nothing, the worst thing will come up right away. If you just sit still in a room and do nothing, the worst thing will come up right away. And when the worst thing comes up, if you can bravely make friends with that, make friends with the worst thing in your mind, that's the fastest way to wake up. Well. Now imagine, imagine what you would do once you're woken up, once you're yeah. like, no, well, no, when you're no longer bound by identity, because you could, um, he could try to fight against the identity to like shift it to, to being an identity based in pleasure, or he could build the proper metacognition, which is, being higher, like a meta level over your cognitive thoughts in your brain, metacognition, you can build the proper metacognition slowly, daily to just wake up beyond the identity. And he could go to play. He he could realize he's actually already in pleasure in that moment. He's just so transfixed by his identity. He just, he just forgot that he's already living in pleasure. He's just giving, he's just giving life to an identity and he could stop at any moment. So if you, if you, you can wake up beyond identity and this is, um, this is what I'm trying to work on because I'll get stuck into like, I'm going to fix this about myself. 
Well, you could just wake up from the concept of being broken altogether. Yeah, it's uh, you know, we we talk about you know that veteran struggle on the show all the time. I mean, wow, your identity is totally immersed in the military, and you get out, and all of it's gone all of a sudden, and people wonder why you know veterans wow. struggle when they get out, and sometimes you're so, just struggling with identity. It's I mean, it's so here's here. Um, so I've got um, I met a I've been suffering most of my life. And then I met a man in Asheville, North Carolina, and he gave me a step-by-step approach to making friends with my mind. And it was so remarkable and so simple, I wondered why someone hadn't shown me how it worked sooner. Hmm. And we are putting it into a very affordable course to reach the masses. And it's it's called Making Friends with the Mind or MakeFriendsWithTheMind.com. One of those two. <laughs> I should probably know it. <laughs> And it's, um, it's about retraining how the, the, the fundamental relationship we have with our own mind. It's like if we're at war with our own mind, one of the first things we might be inclined to do is to try to stop that war. When really what we need to do is, is actually really fully awakely notice that we're actually at war with our mind. That's all. Like you, you don't actually have to go to fix it. What you do is you just notice you're actually at war completely and fully. You're like, I am at war. Mm-hmm. And if you notice it deep enough, it'll, you'll, you'll slip into a state of unconditional well-being. And if, if you can't get there, like if it's too threatening or it fires off all these signals, the brain might need some help and some metacognitive training. And that metacognitive training is what you build in the course. Because there's three, there's three real fundamental uh, pigs, three little pigs we call them that keep you from well-being, and it's avoiding something, uh, craving something else, or being super identified, craving aversion and identity. And um, so, like you know, if you're at war with your mind, it'd be very understandable that you 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 crave for it to stop. So instead of actually trying to search out and stop it, if all you did was place your full attention on how badly you want it to stop. You'd start to taste a well-being right in this moment. Because what you just did is you actually just honored and loved and saw and held what your actual experience is, which is a desire to end the war in your mind. And then the mind might fire up. I got to do something about this. This is who I am. I got to do something about this. This is who I am. And then if you can build the metacognition to hold something like that, then I got to do something about this. Then you hold that next layer of, of craving. Oh, I got to do something about this. So you just, and you're like, and then like you start holding that and you're like, no, I really got to do something about this. And then you hold it even deeper. And when you're able to just hold and hold and hold, I'll tell you what a soldier is in spiritual terms. A soldier in spiritual terms can hold every thought and every feeling and every experience with tender love. That's what a spiritual soldier is. And that means you don't run from your mind. That means you sit and watch your mind run. 
That means you don't crave things with your mind. It means you sit and watch the craving. And fuck, that's hard. And if you need to beep that out, I apologize. <laughs> that's all right. Well, like it. I mean, when I say hard, like, I mean, here I'll I, I'll demonstrate right now. I mean, God. <clears throat> so, okay. So I'm just gonna take a breath. And when I take a breath, I'm going to feel it through my nose. I'm going to feel the breath in my throat and I'm going to feel it touching my heart. Then I'm immediately going to give myself permission to be free. Because what we might see is that if we really ask ourselves, have I given myself the deepest level of permission to be free? And the answer might shock you that it's been a no. And so you ask yourself, and I'll ask myself, have I given myself permission to be free? And I hear no. I'm, I'm angry. I feel anger. So if I try to not make it personal, I start to feel hands like touching me, hitting me. <clears throat> I immediately fear the people of the podcast judging me. So then I try to go deeper. And I say, do you want to be free? And I say, no. No, I will not be free. No. No. And the bravest thing I can do right now is to honor that no. But as soon as I honor that no, my brain goes into immediate war. Because it's like, please, we just want freedom. And so now, if I can, I hold that war. <clears throat> and immediately my throat gets tight. And then I go in and I try to remind myself, take nothing personal. And then I feel fear. Fear. Real fear. Can anybody help me? Is there anybody that could help me? And I hold, instead of looking for help, I hold can anybody help me? Now, I feel like I want to hide. But here even I said, I feel like I want to hide. Versus not making it personal, which is, no, I'm making this so personal right now. And that's just what I'm doing. So in terms of like, okay, I'm making this really personal. So if I open my eyes and look around the room and I notice I'm actually safe. You know, no one's telling me to wake up at 5 a.m. or no one's telling me to do push-ups anymore when I don't want to or nobody's like, wait, I'm safe. And my body goes into... Uh, well, the left side of my brain kind of hurts. The right side of my brain opens. I feel a desire to play my guitar next to me and hear the beautiful notes. And instead of grabbing the guitar, I just try to feel. But then I notice a numbness. And if I'm brave enough, I can hold numb as an experience. And then there, that's where I'll pause this. 
And it's actually been a little bit easier for me to share it with you, Joe, and the men that I know that also struggle with identity conflicts. I don't feel too much like a freak, Mm -hmm. but, but I'm in great company with the men who've put their life on the line in some way. And so I know I feel safe to do this. Me doing this on my own is terrifying. And to the degree that I can hold the terror, I'm free. To the degree that I can't, I'm trapped. So then we go back to the decision. Have I made the decision to be free? And now I hear yes. And I got there not by forcing a yes. I got there by hearing a no and honoring it. And that's not really common from what I understand in military training. Like if you're an internal no, it doesn't matter. You still got to show up. Right. So you're probably going to run a retrain. And, um, you know, I feel uh, a sweetness to life. And, um, yeah, so that's it. (laughs) (laughs) deep stuff man you know um i mean there there are a lot of you know we've we've been at war for you know almost 20 years now in one form or another afghanistan iraq and multitude of other places and there's a lot of combat experienced veterans out there and a lot of folks and identity and everything you know guys getting out there's a a lot of struggles like that and you know most veterans are not comfortable going that deep and some of the most successful programs out there, therapy type programs, whatever you may call them, those are the ones that they do force you to go deep and dig down and find out what's actually inside there, and yes, not to try to get rid of it, but but to yes, to Sorry, be with not, it, you know, yeah, 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 not to try to get rid of it, and um, but the the key is actually gentle. Mm-hmm. So when I said no, no, no forcing. But if you if you have a desire to force, then see if you can hold that. It's like I I want to force this right now, and then you would actually hold that. Yeah, but the problem is you come back, you get plugged into normal society, and go back home, and all that all those things you left are still the same, but you're you're somehow different internally, and you can't really address it because you're trying to go back to who you used to be, um, and plug back into all that normal, and sometimes it doesn't feel right and doesn't go well, you know, so. I think I want to say it, 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 it's it's possible that you could wake up in a single moment. It is possible, especially if you get the chance to meet this Brian guy, like make friends with the mind.com or making friends with the mind.com. That is a very amazing um, step-by-step approach to like slowly becoming friends with your mind. Like you, you could, you could wake up in a moment. Yeah. Well, hey, Dane, uh, you know, we've already gone over our time. I, I do want to give you the last word. Um, your book is already released, right? Start from uh, zero? Well, it should be. I mean, if you release it after March 31st. Yeah, this this episode's coming out towards the end of April. So uh, Start from Zero by Dane Max will be out by then. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. Probably find it on Amazon everywhere else. Um, I do want to give you the last word. If Can you talk a little bit about 
if you're talking to somebody in the military, military spouse, somebody that's on in a transition out right now and they're looking for a business idea, quickly explain to them why they should really consider software as a service, as a potential yep. avenue to entrepreneurship. Well, yeah, so I have, um, I have, I think I've covered that because it was thankfully, but what I want to say is that the model that I teach applies to universally, universally to business. Cause the model I teach is a business is about a customer that wants a result. So we use a mechanism for it and that's it. A customer wants a result. So we use a mechanism for it. So it could be a yoga mat on Amazon and the customer is a woman under 20, 25 and she wants a stylish yoga mat to look cool. So the mechanism is a, a yoga mat. It could be, um, you know, people that um, are in their 60s. The result they want is to be able to see clearly with 2020 vision. So customers that results that mechanism could be glasses, mechanism could be contacts, mechanism could be LASIK surgery. Once you get customer result mechanism nailed down, you can successfully build a business at light, light light speed, like really, really quickly. So the business, the book itself, Start From Zero, is about how to fundamentally build a business at light speed that you don't have to work in or show up in every day. You can build lucrative businesses, little micro businesses. It's a fundamental framework and pattern for creating businesses from scratch, no matter what they are. And most of my 15 uh, millionaires, I think only two of the 15 actually are in software. The other of my 13 students are building all kinds of different businesses because the patterns I teach are so applicable everywhere. Um, so what I would say is don't look for what business you're going to start. Look for the heart of entrepreneurship, install that heart within you, and then it's not going to matter with, with where you go because you'll have that heart installed. And start from zero will install that heart in you 100%. If you, if you read every page of that book and live every page of that book, you'll never go hungry. No. That's awesome. Well, Dane, thanks for sharing your, your in-depth thoughts and, uh, a lot of golden nuggets that, that you shared with the audience. So I appreciate that. We'll check out your book and uh, who knows, maybe another year or two, we'll have you back on the show and see what you're up to then. Thanks, Joe. You bet. All right. We are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>